Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found on our app for both Apple and Android phones. Search Grace 417 in your app store and follow along. And now, for our message. On the first gathering of the year, especially when the first gathering of the year falls on New Year's Day itself, that we, would, that we would focus this day on all of the things that you've been hearing and probably thinking about already, you know, new year, new focus, plans, opportunities, goals, all of the new year stuff that Monu was just talking about and so many other things. And we are, and that's okay. That's a good thing to do, by the way. If you're, if you're a New Year's resolution person, you've set some resolutions, go for it. We won't even talk about the statistical um, probability of you following through more than two weeks. We're not even going to talk about it. We're just going to go for it. Just have a positive attitude, roar into your new year with all your resolutions. That's a good thing to do. Most people are oriented towards the future. We are kind of by nature, humanity is kind of looking ahead, looking to the next thing, looking for what's new, looking for what's better. We're looking for the next, next development point in our own lives, the next spiritual goal, the next career advancement step, the next possession that we'll have, the next technological breakthrough, of which there are many all of the time. Focusing on the future is a good thing to do. Turn to the person next to you and say, Tim said it's a good thing to do. It is a good thing to do. I love, I love to plan and prepare and strategize and think about the future. I love doing all of that stuff. It's a really good thing to do. Spiritually speaking, all over the United States and around the world today, there will be pastors preaching out of Isaiah chapter 43 where the Lord says, behold, I do a new thing. I mean, they're gonna do, it's it's the given thing that you would do on this Sunday. The Lord is forever doing new things, always doing something new, always moving forward. But, you knew I was gonna say but, didn't you? But at the beginning of this new season here in this specific church family called Grace Church, I think it's more important for us to do something else this first Sunday of the year. It might feel or seem a little counterintuitive, but I think what we need to do this morning is pause and look back and remember. We need to pause, look back, and remember. In the scriptures, when you read the, the, the entirety of the God's word, the, the people of God are, are told all the time to remember. Now, I did not do an exhaustive study. So if you can prove me wrong, don't embarrass me now. Come talk to me later. But my guess is it's got to be 10 to 1, remember versus look ahead in the scriptures. That the commandments to look back and to recall are that many more than the commandments to, to look ahead and plan and, and dream about the future. Not that that's wrong, but there's a, there's a heavy emphasis in the scriptures on looking back. Now, remember, looking forward is not bad. It's a good thing. And, but there are so many reasons why God wants his people, whether it's Israel or it's us, 
to look back and remember. And I want to just share on one of those this morning. And I think in your grace guides, you have no fill-ins. And for some of you, you immediately feel a sense of peace come over you because now you don't have to pay close attention because there's not going to be something to fill in. And for others, you're bummed. So I'm sorry if I disappointed you. If you're pleased, I'm grateful that you're happy. But there are no fill-ins today, but you can write down in the blank space if you want some of these points. And this is the big one. This is the one I want you to grab. And it's right off the, right out of the gate, right off the bat this morning. It's this. With God, the future is always, always, always tied to the past. With God, the future is always tied to the past. What God will do in the next days is connected, is linked, is tied to what he's done in the past days. It's the way his kingdom works. And, and, and I think, without getting too out there philosophically, I think it has to do in part with the fact that God is outside of what we understand to be time. So we think of, of, we think of life, we think of motion in terms of time as moving from a, a point forward. And so if you, in our brains, the way that we think of time is that it started at whenever. It started with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1, and it goes through today, and it will go through the end of time after the coming of Jesus and the, the new heavens and the new earth. That's our time, and it's one big long line. Does that make sense? Boy, you guys are really quiet. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Good. Whoever yelled over there, good job. God's outside of the line. This is, just, this is one of the ones that I will never be able to understand, but I just want you to think about it. Because he's outside of time, he's right now at creation and right now with us and right now at the second coming of Jesus because he's outside of time. I don't know how that works. But because of his outside of timeness, his nature, his character, his, his uh, ways, his principles, his, all of those things that make up who God is are constant in all times and in all places in time in the way that we remember it. His character is unchanging. His ways are unmoving. He's constant. And because of that, what he does back in what our idea of time is in the past is the indicator. It's actually a direct connector to what he's going to do right now and what he's going to do in the future. Have you ever watched television and seen one of the uh, commercials come on for uh, like a brokerage firm or like, you know, like a investment type and type they usually have really nice looking people that seem to have a lot of money have you ever seen those commercials you, you, you never see any broke people that aren't very pretty on those commercials but anyway they, they these commercials and what every single one of them despite whatever they're trying to sell you they all say the exact same thing and i think it's a government thing they say this about their investment they say that past performance is not indicative of future Returns or results. Yeah, let's try. Let's say that together. What did you get at church this morning? Investment advice. Past results are not indicative of future returns. But with God, past results are an absolute certainty, an absolute connection to future returns, to what he's going to do. Because he's the same all of the time. He, what we're going to experience as we move into the future is directly connected to what God has been doing through all time. We remember because the future and our future is determined by the past. That's why we have to keep thinking about what God has done before. All of the time, we have to think about what God has done before because it will come up again. So in Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel were freed from their slavery. So think with me. 
book of Genesis, the end of the book of Genesis, the people of God go to live in, this, in Egypt because of a terrible famine that has over the world and they go there and they find food and they are saved because of this wonderful leader in Israel named, uh, a son of Israel, actually a son of Jacob named Joseph. And when you get to the beginning of Exodus, you have the people of Israel who move from being welcomed into Egypt and, and, uh, and uh, invited guests, they become over time slaves. And they are slaves for 430 years. They're slaves for centuries and then God brings them out. He does this miraculous, first 12 chapters of Exodus, he does these miraculous things that bring people out of bondage into freedom, his people. And Moses, the leader of, people, of God's people at that moment, says this to them. I want you to, it's on the screen. I want you to look at it with me. Mo, uh, Moses says this in Exodus chapter 13, verse 3. As a matter of fact, why don't we read this one together? I think we have the right translation this morning. So we'll all read this together. Ready? Here we go. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. Moses tells the people, I want you to remember this specific day when you got freed. I want you to remember this day. Israel was to remember where they came from. They came from Egypt. They were to remember the state that they were in when they were in Egypt, which is the state of slavery. And they are to remember what God did for them. He rescued them. God passionately wanted his people to hold on to, in their thinking, in their memory, hold on to what he has done and to regularly go back and rehearse that for themselves and for their children and for their children's children through the generations so that the people would not forget what God had done. Remembering their collective story they had a story, they had a national story, they had a collective testimony. Remembering that was key to them establishing their new identity as a people. Up until the, the exodus in, uh, under, under Moses in the first part of the book of Exodus, until that exit from Egypt, their identity had become one of slavery. That's who they were, right? Galatians chapter 4, that's our connection to that. They were slaves, and when they are brought out, they are now people who are free. They are people of liberation. They're no longer slaves. They're free people. They're God's people. They're God's sons and daughters. And if sons and daughters, they are also heirs, right? So they, they have this whole new understanding of who they are. But it wasn't just that they wouldn't forget their heritage. It wasn't just that they would hold on to where they had been before. God also wanted them, God also wanted them to understand. This is what I want you to grab this morning. God also wanted them to understand what he was capable of doing on their behalf in the future. Let me say that to you again. The reason they had to remember, yes, was because of their new identity, but it was also because God was telling them, what you experienced before, you can experience again in the future. Remembering is not just commemoration. Remembering is a faith-building exercise. Remembering, I'm going to say it again, remembering is not just commemoration. We're not just remembering and saying, that's great. That's fantastic what God did in the past. We remember because it builds our faith. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, remembering builds your faith. <laughs> A generation later, Moses speaks to the children of those that he's speaking to in Exodus chapter 3. I want to read it to you out of Deuteronomy chapter 7. This is the children of those who were freed from slavery. Remember the whole story. We're not going to get into all the details, but they come out. They're excited. They're not slaves anymore. They're free people, but they immediately begin to do the things that they did when they were slaves. They want to worship idols. They want to, they want to follow their own um, appetites. They don't want to trust the Lord. They're afraid to move into the future. And so, of course, they get in trouble. They get 
actually some consequences for their lack of faith. And so for 40 years, those people don't get to enter the new land that God had promised them. Remember, when they came out, the idea was they were going to take that land immediately. I don't know how far it is. It's like two weeks worth of walk, and they could have been in Canaan and been starting taking over. When you read the book of Joshua, that could have taken place about Exodus chapter 14. But it didn't because they could not believe God and trust him and move into the future. So that generation is dying off. Now Moses is speaking to the kids of the initial people that were supposed to take the promised land. And this is what he says to them, starting in verse 17, Deuteronomy chapter 7. He says, if you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You know, he's talking about the nations in the promised land, the land of Canaan. If you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. But you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So will the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. You see the connection? They, they need courage to go fight this battle. And the Lord just does not say, hey, you guys can do this. Let's go. It's not a pep talk. God does not give pep talks. Amen. I do not need to be inspired. I need to understand what God's word says so that I can be courageous. And so what he says is, don't worry about it. If you're afraid what's gonna happen, I want you to remember what I did before because that's what I am capable of doing again for you. Don't you be afraid of those people. Remember what happened in Egypt and understand that in the new place that I'm taking you, I will do it again. Amen? They were to remember what God did, liberation, and they were to remember how he did it. He did it miraculously, which ought to be an encouragement to them and to us because it's not based on what we bring to the table. And we so often view our relationship with, with the Lord this way. Well, Lord, I don't have very much, but I'll give it to you because I'm just not very good at the thing you're calling me to. And I almost feel like the Lord's like, zip it, you know, stop. I know you don't have it. That's not the point. It's not about what you have. It's about what you bring to me in terms of your belief. Are you willing to stand in faith and let me do something through you? That's what he was telling Israel. That's what he tells us. He wanted them to remember what he did before so that faith could rise up inside of them and they have confidence to face what was before them. Looking back fueled their faith and gave them courage. Now, God's people, God's people got in trouble almost constantly for forgetting to remember. They just could not do it. And when I was a younger believer, I used to think, they're so stupid. Why wouldn't they? Oh, sorry. They're so not smart. Why wouldn't they just? Shouldn't use the stupid word. Why can't they just remember what God did? I mean, I like to think that if I saw him do what he does in Exodus 1 to 12, that I would never forget that for the rest of my life. I used to think that. And the Lord did a bunch of things in my life, and I found myself being in the exact same place as Israel, saying, God, are you not going to come through again? And someone else would look at my life and go, gosh, can't, you had you know, the first 12 chapters of your life. How come you can't look back on that and trust him to do it again? It's something about our broken condition. It's something about the way that we're, we're warped, that we, we thank the Lord in the moment for what he does, but we don't believe that he'll do it again. We don't trust that he will. They got in trouble constantly for forgetting to remember, for refusing to remember what God had already done and what God had already said. And because of that, they fall into idolatry. They fall into, into uh, focus on the here and now and the temporal, focus on the physical rather than the spiritual, simply because they neglected regularly rehearsing the mighty works of God. They would not go back and say, let's, let's say, everybody stop here. Let's remind ourselves. 
Let's remind ourselves what God did. You remember the part in, uh, it's the very end of 1 Samuel, where David leads the men on a raid, and while they're gone, this little town called Ziklag that David was in um, is, uh, is taken over by an enemy, and the enemy takes away all the children and all of the wives and takes away all the stuff, and David and his men come back to the town, and they are ready to kill David because they've lost everything. And there's that beautiful little passage of Scripture. It says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Are you familiar with that text? Great, great text, excellent text. Here's what, what that means. David had to remind himself who he was and what God was capable of doing. And it's out of what that memory is, what God has done, what he has has said, who he is, what he's done in the past. All of that is what fueled David to go out and to to recapture those those wives and children and and those assets. It's to be bold to go into the future. It's the exact same situation for us. We have to look back first before we look forward. If we just look forward and we drum up a bunch of enthusiasm and we get excited and we're pumped up and we set a bunch of resolutions, I'll see you in two weeks. And we can all lament together about how it didn't work out. What God wants his people to do is remember and to let the remembrance of the past stir up within us a fresh faith to believe him to do something amazing in the future. Not because we believe it and dream it and, and it's great opportunities, but because God is faithful and he is able. Any plan for the future, any goal, any dream, any, anything that we want to accomplish, that we want to see God do in the future, that we want to see him uh, bring to us and, and, and allow us to participate in any of that begins by pausing and looking back and remembering We look back and we remember what he did for us and what he did for others. This is not just about what he does for you or for me. Now, everybody in here, if if you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with the Lord, you could probably take a piece of paper and you could write down dozens of things that he did, small things and large things in your life, and that's really good. But thank goodness we are not limited. Our faith is not limited to just what he's done for us in the past. Because I want to be honest with you. I'm praying for some things right now in my life that I have never seen him do for me. But I know that he's done them for other people. And because he's not a respecter of persons, because he doesn't love one person more than another, because he's not partial, I can say, hey, Lord, just like kids would with their parents, hey, she got an extra cookie. Can't I have one too? I mean, how many kids have pulled that before? It's not fair. Now, We're not going to get into the doctrine of fairness, but let me just say this. I can say, Lord, you did it for David. Lord, you did it for Israel. Lord, you did it for the early church. Lord, you did it at different times where there was a revival in our nation and other places around the world. You did it then. You can do it now too. Even though my eyes have not seen it, I believe because of what your word says. I believe because of what others have experienced. And I'm going to stand trusting you to take us into the future, a future that we've not yet experienced yet. Remembering is like a compass. Raise your hand if you've ever used a compass. I don't mean pretend used. I mean really used. I don't mean you took it camping and it was in your pocket. I mean actually used it in the woods. When you use a compass, you can put your hand down. Thank you. All of the Boy Scout people are like, yes, my hand is still continuing to be up. I want recognition here. Good job. You used a compass. That's fantastic. Remembering is like using a compass. Because it orients us, when we look back, it orients us towards the future of what's possible in God. 
it, it, it steadies our course. It says that even though I don't see exactly where I'm going, because of what he has done in the past, this past, this course that I'm on will eventually manifest itself in being something good and something bigger and something beyond what I can do on my own. But the key is we have to remember. We have to intentionally, regularly, consistently, enthusiastically remember what God has done. We have to come back again and again and again to be intentional about remembering. Memory has to be exercised to be of spiritual benefit or blessing. Have you ever noticed how you forget things? Try again. Have you ever noticed how you forget things? Yeah, Yeah, and that's like the non-important stuff that you're forgetting, that I'm forgetting. Like when I walk into the room and go, I knew I needed to come in here for some good reason. (laughs) Only people of a certain age are laughing at that because they get it. We forget stuff. We're so oriented towards the future that we don't remember the past. What's next replaces what's been. But what's been determines what will be. Remembering isn't just an activity. I would suggest to you this morning that remembering is a discipline. We have to make ourselves, in the same way that you have a discipline to pray or to read your Bible or to to do other things, exercise, do other things in your life that maybe aren't fun but they are good for you, remembering is a discipline that we need to incorporate into our walk with Christ because it's connected to our futures. So before we dream, as a matter of fact, I want to get Alex and and Jack to come on up here and get ready for it. We're going to take communion this morning, but before we dream about the future, I want us to remember what happened before in the past. Instead of starting this beginning of this new year by asking God to answer a new prayer, which by the way, pray new prayers, ask for new things, absolutely. But before we do that, why don't we start by recalling the prayers that he's already answered? There's so many of them. As we extend our faith, and this has been my prayer, and I'll be talking more about this in the next few weeks, um, as we extend our faith to believe him for miracles in the future, let's start with remembering and recalling miracles that he's already done. Because he, he's done a lot of them. He really, the enemy doesn't want you to realize that. The enemy wants you to say, he never does anything for me. The truth of the matter is when you slow down and you let the Spirit remind you, he has done so much for us. This room is literally full of miracles. I'm not exaggerating. That is the testimony of the people of God. We are all miracles. So before we ask for the next one, and I want us to ask for the next one, and we'll talk about asking for the next one eventually here. But before we do that, let's just thank him for what he's already done. And one more thing. If you're at a place this morning, and Rachel kind of, ended, kind of mentioned this in passing when she was uh, leading us in worship this morning, but I just want to pl- kind of stay here for just a moment. If you're here this morning and New Year's doesn't do anything for you, you don't care, whatever, New Year, same day, it's just one day, it's 31st to the 1st of January, right? And the reason that you just don't get excited about it is because you've been disappointed because you've you've placed hopes and prayed prayers and asked God for things that haven't come to be yet and you're just kind of washing your hands of it I'm, I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna get excited about what God can do because I just don't feel like he's come through for me I want to say to you this morning that the Lord sees you he sees right where you are and let me just say this 
I believe that it's possible for you to borrow faith from somebody else. When your faith is, you ever been in that place where you're, raise your hand so we all feel in this together. You ever been a flat line faith like I just already, I can't, someone else can come alongside you and share some of what they have. You can, you can remember someone else's story. You can remember the faith in this book. You can remember the things that God did here and you can start building from that point forward asking God to do something new. Let faith be resurrected in you this year. Believe him for something new this year. Believe him for something better even if you don't have the story yourself to look back on. As we move into this year, I just want you to take some time this week, each day, you get a journal, notebook, post-it note, chalk on your driveway. I don't care how you do it, but I want you to write down the answer to this question. What has God already done? What has he done? Let your mind and your heart be filled with his goodness, filled with what he's already accomplished. And from that foundation, let faith arise, let confidence build, and let an excitement about the days ahead overtake your praying as we move into 2023. We're gonna take communion this morning, and I invite you, would you stand up right now? Before we go any further, we're gonna take a moment here, and uh, we're gonna pray together, and I'm gonna invite you to come forward and get your communion elements, and then we'll... We'll take just a few moments. We'll pray together and we'll take our elements. But would you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful for a new year. It is a great thing to have fresh starts and to have uh, the expectation, like it says in Isaiah, that you will do a new thing, Lord. Absolutely. You make all things new. That is the, that is the way the book ends. <laughs> you making all things new. So we are excited about what's coming. But Lord, fill your people with a sense of appreciation and awe at what you have done so that as we approach this new year, as we approach new seasons, as we approach new opportunities, as we dream dreams, as we ask you for what seems like it's impossible, that all of that would be done out of a deep reservoir of saying, my God is able. Lord, would you cause our faith to rise and in some cases to be resurrected so that we do not stay where we are. We move into that promised land with the assurance, the assurance, Lord, that you will do in the future what you have done in the past. That is the pattern of your word. And we hold on to it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you just come forward, get your community elements, take them back to your seats, and then we'll take them all together here in just a moment. But please come forward. there's one more scripture. I'd like to put it up on the screen. Simon, do you have Luke 22? Yeah, great. Let me just read it to you. Talking about Jesus, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood the ultimate remembering moment in scripture is the Lord's Supper if you don't remember anything this is what we remember it's the best place to begin remembering 
Because the work of Jesus on the cross, the work of Jesus, especially through the resurrection, is the ultimate miracle. That's where everything else flows out of what Christ does on that last three days. Everything is built upon that. And so we remember this morning as we begin the new year, it is the perfect thing for us to do talking about remembering so that we can move into the future that we remember what Christ has done for us. Would you just close your eyes right now? I want you to, in the way that would be comfortable for you, I want you to to think about what Jesus has done, what he has accomplished. Think about how he lived a, a perfect life just the right time he came born of a woman born under the law and he did that so that we would be sons and daughters he lived a perfect life he died a perfect death a perfect sacrifice for us and then he rose as a resurrected Lord alive forevermore We remember what he did for us because it brings us into relationship with God we remember that his body was broken And that through that broken body, we are healed in our bodies, in our minds, in our spirits. We remember his blood that that began being, being given for us through beatings and through whippings and through nails and eventually a spear. That blood that that flowed out of his precious, perfect body was for you and it was for me and it was so that we would be able to walk right into the presence of his father never a more never again never anymore afraid or intimidated or unworthy because the blood of Jesus has cleansed us of everything that kept us at a distance from God Father in the name of Jesus we pray this morning that you would help us to live our lives in constant remembrance of the sacrifice and victory of Jesus. May his life, death, and resurrection, may these things so influence us, so shape us, so, so focus and direct our lives that we are constantly living in the glory of what he's accomplished for us. No matter how bad things are, no matter how difficult life is, no matter how daunting the future may seem, we live remembering that we serve a risen Lord and that he died for us. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Precious Jesus, thank you for being willing to come. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for living in us by faith. We receive these gifts this morning, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Would you take the communion elements this morning? stand with me please before we close I asked just asked uh, Beth if she would 
she would play for us. Rachel had us read those words. I want us to sing those words. That's the perfect song to begin the year. But can we sing that bridge together? If Beth can get me started, I'll go ahead. Yeah, you do it. That'll be better. <laughs> My life upon your love, it is a firm I'm really excited about the future. Not because I have any prophetic insight. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just really excited. God is going to do something special in the new season in front of us. I don't know if that's a month, a year, 10 years. I don't know, but we're on the cusp of something. And I'm not saying that this isn't a rah-rah thing. I'm just telling you what I'm sensing. And I want you I want you to remember with me because I feel like we need to pull from the reservoir of what he's done because that's what we're going to see in the future. And I'm excited about that. Before I bless you and let you go this morning, um, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're, you're, this is interesting and, and, and enticing and you're, and you're being stirred, but you've never said, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Will you forgive all of the wrong that I've ever done? Would you cleanse me and would you make me part of your family? I want to move from slavery to being your son or daughter. If you've never done that, I want to pray with you or have one of our elders pray with you this morning. If you would just stick around for a few minutes afterward and come forward, we would love to introduce you to Jesus and stand with you as you make what will be the most important decision of your life, for sure. Amen. So if that's you, don't don't scoot out quickly. I know that's the temptation. Come forward. Let us pray with you. Would you extend your hands in front of you? I want to bless you in the name of the Lord. Grace Church family, dear family, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, visit us on the web at grace417.com or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.